All right. Well, here we are. We're back. We are Carla Silver. I'm the Executive Director of Leadership and Design. And I'm Bill Selleck, Director of Technology at Hillbrook School. And this is Heads Down, Two Thumbs Up. And we like to talk about movies. That talk about schools. Right. And so that's what we're doing today. And we have an amazing episode today. I am so excited about this. This is one of my all-time favorite school movies. Really? This was the first time I saw it. I know. I can't believe that. But one of the things I love about this movie, it is like absolutely equal opportunity offensive to every group in the world. Yeah, I will super agree with that. I also noticed that um, there's a handful of notes where it was actually much more offensive, but they worked hard to get it down to a PG-13. Wait, did I even mention the name of the movie? We've not. Oh my gosh, here we are. We're talking about Mean Girls. Mean you probably Girls. guessed it. Yeah, part one. <laughs> episode one. Mean Girls episode one. That's true. Or if George Lucas wrote it, Mean Girls episode four. <laughs> Start at the beginning. I love it. Well, this movie, we, I mean, we really tried to find a movie that sort of juxtaposed some of the other movies we've been talking about so far. So we've done Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We did Dead Poet Society. We did Remember the Titans. But, you know, all of those are pretty male heavy. And so what better movie to focus on when it comes to girl culture than Mean Girls? Yeah, absolutely. So should we start with the uh, synopsis? Yeah, go for it. Fantastic. This is the official one from IMDb. Ready? Oh, it's it's great. <laughs> Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, the A-list girl clique at her new school, until she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic, Regina George. What what's up with that synopsis? I don't know. That actually does not describe the movie well. No. It's like, yeah, it's a definitely not a spoiler in any way, shape, or form, but it also doesn't tell you anything really about this movie no so i guess that's what we have to do yeah shall we yeah great well first of all this movie was actually released um a number of years ago it was april 30th 2004 and it's based on a book not a fictional book but really a self-help book by rosalind wiseman called queen bees and wannabes helping your daughter survive clicks gossip boyfriends and other realities of adolescence came out in 2002, and two years later, Tina Fey wrote and adapted a screenplay from the book. Yeah, I read that actually Tina Fey felt like she painted herself into a corner with this because she had not quite realized to which extent it was nonfiction. And Mm. here she is writing a whole screenplay. (laughs) She's like, I I don't know that I can pull this off. Well, I think she pulled it off. She did. Well done, (laughs) Tina. She's so awesome. Um, And of course, if you haven't figured it out, if you haven't made the connection, there's a Broadway show that's going on right now that's based on the movie, based on the book. Based on high schools. (laughs) High schools everywhere. It's a whole nesting dolls thing that's happening right now. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm just picturing those little Russian dolls right now. Yep, perfect. (laughs) That came out in 2017, and it's just really beginning to tour around the country, and I've actually seen it. It's pretty awesome. Just like Ferris Bueller, this movie is set in suburban Illinois, Evanston, Illinois, although it was actually mostly shot in Toronto. Yeah, we'll we'll see a little bit of that as we go on. There's some Canadian-ness of this. Ah, how smart of you to note. Yeah. Um, This cast, OMG. This cast is... Oh, do we need to start talking like high school girls from 2004? <laughs> totally. OMG. This cast... Are you LOLing? <laughs> you are. Actually, there's not a lot of technology in this. We no. can talk about that later. Yeah, super no. But this cast is, to use a term from the movie, it's just so fetch. So fetch. 
That's just going to happen on this podcast. It's adorable. It's so fetch. What is fetch? Oh, it's like slang from England. Uh, It stars some amazing cult figures, including Lindsay Lohan as Katie, not Caddy, Heron. Um, She actually tried out for the part of Regina George originally. Yeah, there was a lot of people who tried out for parts that ended up being (laughs) different parts that they ended up being in. Yeah, it's amazing how they all shuffled out. And you almost want to like think about what it would have been like if Lindsay had been Regina George or Amanda Siegfried had done that role. Yeah, and then Rachel McAdams, who's much older than Lindsay Lohan and yet plays high school girl. Right. She plays a really good mean yes she does regina george regina george do you know the uh etymology of the name regina tell me translation is queen Mm, perfect absolutely you see what they did there (laughs) one of the reasons that Lindsay lohan didn't get the part was that she had just come off of doing freaky friday and she at the time kind of had this squeaky clean girl image And they were worried that by casting her as mean Regina George, that would sort of go bye-bye. Of course, we know that it kind of happened anyhow. (laughs) Is this where we're dropping the sad trombone sound effect? (laughs) Please do. Uh, We see Lacey Chambert as Gretchen Wieners, a member of the Plastics, this group of girls who are sort of the A-list gals along with Amanda Seyfried as Karen Smith, the absolutely dumbest girl on the planet. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, Lizzie Kaplan, who you may remember from her performance in Now You See Me. She's one of the magicians. Oh, she is. I, I miss that. Yeah, and she yeah. just looks so different. And in fact, when they first cast her, they thought she was too pretty to play Janice, who's sort of this alternative goth girl <laughs> goth girl exactly a couple other great performances daniel franzis franzis i think is how you pronounce it as damien who's sort of the gay best friend very flamboyant friend of janice and and katie um jonathan bennett as aaron samuels who is regina's love interest and, and katie's love interest he's also the host of cake wars oh that's right yeah. <laughs> he has made a few epic appearances in various things. One of my favorite characters yeah, for agreed. sure is Ranjeev Surendra, who plays Kevin Napoor, the uh, mathletes president, but also uh, sort of a DJ on the side. Yeah, he is. He has a business card. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I'm Kevin Napoor, captain of the North Shore Mathletes. So and let's good. not forget about our SNL friends. Uh, the whole group of them. Right. Tina Fey, Tim Meadows, Amy polar <laughs> and actually anna gastoner is also snl person oh, too the mom yeah yeah, she yeah. Is. yeah. mom yeah. yeah yeah so it was like the whole cast of snl and they were so brilliant speaking of casts <laughs> tim meadows broke his arm <laughs> right before filming so they had this like throwaway joke that he had um carpal tunnel <laughs> how was your summer i got divorced oh uh, my carpal tunnel came back <sighs> i win Yes, you do. He actually just like broke his hand mm-hmm. and had to be in a cast. Perfect. Perfect. But it's another nesting dolls <laughs> thing happening. Cast they worked with it a cast. out. <laughs> they worked it out. And it actually adds a little bit to the whole thing when he's standing, yeah. you know, in front of the. Absolutely. With his cast. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The tagline for this is perfect. Don't you think? Yes. Welcome to girl world. And that's really what this movie is about. There were a bunch of other great taglines also. But I'm picturing these on like movie posters. Yeah. 
Survival of the Ruthless. Mm -hmm. So fetch. So fetch. So fetch. Do I have to say it up? So fetch. So fetch. So fetch. I don't know how would Gretchen say it. That's so fetch. There it is. (laughs) So fetch. Only the strong survive this summer. Be a part of the in crowd. So in terms of what I sort of saw as some of the themes of this film. Yeah, this is my favorite part, by the way. Yeah. To me, this movie, and I've actually studied a lot about status, but to me, this movie is the quintessential movie about status and status play and who has status in a community and who doesn't and what gives people status and influence and just how status is acquired based on whether it's gender or socioeconomics, ethnicity, attractiveness, clothing, the way you present yourself and the way that status goes up and down. And sometimes you think you've got high status, but it drops relatively quickly that sometimes having always having high status just takes you down. And it's just, it's just so fascinating to watch how it all plays out, both in the kid population, but even the stay adults as well. So I thought that was really, to me, this is really a movie about status. And Seth Godin, for those of you who probably know, I'm a big Seth Godin fan. He writes a lot about status and he actually uses um, Mean Girls as, a, as an example of status in film. Obviously, there's a lot about just the basic portrayal of high school here. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, sort of the high school as a sort of wild and untamed <laughs> place for people to play out like social Darwinism. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I love when they had those aside. It's kind of the um, daydreaming of the African savanna. By the watering hole and the animals are in heat. Exactly. It felt like, you know, I'm at a K-8, a JK-8. <laughs> this is almost how I imagine high schools to be. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Tina Fey must have really just imagined that as, you know, why does why does Katie come from Africa um, before she comes to high school? Because, of course, she's it's like a perfect parallel to what's happening in high school. Yeah. And that they actually dramatize that analogy. (laughs) Uh, I also think this movie talks a lot about sort of like at least how homeschooled children are portrayed. Yeah. Wasn't that one of the original titles, possibly? Yep, it homeschooled. was a, yeah, homeschooled was the original title and I think it's just funny. I mean, right at the beginning you see that, you know, homeschooled kids are sort of portrayed as these sort of fringe sort of religious cult kids and of course we know that's not true even here in California. You've got a huge percentage of kids who are homeschooled. Yeah. And then lastly, I would just say, you know, we've talked a lot about how adults are portrayed in some of these high school dramas. And in this movie, it's different than Ferris Bueller. I mean, they aren't so evil they aren't really the antagonists sure but they're sort of equally sort of buffoonish and incapable of sort of managing adolescent lives yeah absolutely they're they're not the antagonists right it's like the the high school versus high school kids girls mostly right um but they're definitely like the punchline (laughs) that's that's essentially why they exist totally um so that's sort of some of the things that i thought were important to think about as we as you watch this movie yeah. Should we jump into the chronology? Let's do it. Cool. So it starts off on our first day of school. And then we find out it's her first day of school. She's 16 <laughs> years old. And you know what this intro reminded me of? What? The live action Dora the Explorer. Ah. It's nearly identical. I wonder how much when they were writing the screenplay for the live action Dora, which is surprisingly good. <laughs> you know, you've got kids who are going to watch that. My kids are a little old for live action. <laughs> I do. But, um, but the Dora movie, like it's, it's watchable. I will say that. Okay. Um, 
it's almost the same. Like their parents are these kind of like random people who live like off, you know, the typical life in Africa or, you know, mm. in a jungle in Dora's case. Yeah. Remind me of Dora. That's right. all. So Katie's coming to high school for the first time after having been homeschooled in Africa for yeah. like 16 years. Yeah. She doesn't have a backpack, nor does she sing about her backpack. <laughs> but aside from that, the parallels are surprisingly uncanny. <laughs> and she says, I'm 16, and until today, I was homeschooled. I know what you're thinking. Homeschooled kids are freaks. And we see that play out, that even though the title of the movie was not homeschooled, that's definitely an underlying current, is like, how does she acclimate or not? Mm-hmm. And also how other people perceive her having been homeschooled <laughs> for Absolutely. so many years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she walks into school, and that is a rough walk-in. Well, I mean, right, she almost gets hit by a bus walking into school. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. We don't want to spoil too much too yeah. soon. Yeah. Yeah, so she, she gets in. She's, she makes it through the door amazingly mm-hmm. after having almost being you know, crushed by a school bus. And it's her first time in a classroom. It is. And she's greeted by farts, people <laughs> making out. And then we see Tina Fey as she gets coffee spilled all over her yeah, shirt. Yeah, she bumps into Tina Fey and just dumps coffee on her. <laughs> yeah. Have you had that before? Have you been doused by... A student. Food or liquid? Uh, probably only my own clumsiness. I'm not sure I've ever had a student dump it on me. Have you? I've not. As a student, though, I almost vomited on my junior art teacher. Oh. Yeah. There's definitely vomiting in this movie. Yes, there is. <laughs> we can re- relive your moment. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I love, actually, one of the themes you didn't point out, but that immediately comes to mind. She sits down, avoids the people she wants to avoid, and then um, she just stands up and walks out to the bathroom. Oh. And it goes through that list. And for her, like, I, I love how absurd it is for her. All these yeah. kind of arbitrary rules and the, the way that adults control students either ways that actually make sense because of classroom management or ways that just is the habit of school totally she actually says i had never lived in a world where adults didn't trust me yeah i mean it's true i mean how much about school is actually built around making sure students do exactly what you want them to do and to leave them with as little opportunity to destroy that trust as possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and I will say as a quick aside, that's one of the reasons we actually moved from LA up to the Bay Area for me to come work at Hillbrook is at my last school and all the other schools I'd been mm-hmm. at, um, I would say if I had to really put the mission and vision of the school in what was lived out, it was students will be compliant. Mm, yeah. And I had never been at a school before where I actually saw students truly trusted and given mm-hmm. that agency. And so I saw that and just like, yes, <laughs> I'm having a little bit of PTSD about all of my other schools. Yeah. Well, it's a huge switch for Katie. Yes. Um, before we go on, though, I just have to say that scene where Tim Meadows introduces her <laughs> is absolutely hilarious. Well, I just wanted to let everyone know that we have a uh, new student joining us. She just moved here all the way from Africa. Welcome. I'm from Michigan. Great. (laughs) And of course, there's Katie, who's actually coming from Africa. The other line I love with the things you can't do, can't go to the bathroom, you can't read ahead. Oh, no. Heaven forbid. Oh, that's a terrible idea. Never read ahead. (sighs) Yeah. should always be on the same page as everyone else. No personalized learning here. No. One of the things that she experiences on her first day 
is going to the lunchroom. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah. Yeah, she ate alone in a toilet stall. Yeah. Which yeah. is quite unsanitary. Don't don't do that. No. No. No, that's horrible. But it was probably better for her than trying to navigate yes. the social dynamics of the lunchroom. And, you know, later she gets a whole map of the cafeteria from Janice. But until then, it's like, how do you navigate all these people and the groups? What's Janice's friend's name? Damien. Yeah. So after that, she meets Janice and Damien. They teach her to cut class. And then we meet the mean girls Mm -hmm. on the field. (laughs) And this is a great moment to, again, steal from the West Wing Weekly podcast, the Teladonna. Oh, yes. Right. And the the origin of that, I have not explained yet. Um, Often one thing that Josh Molina will say, like he hates watching, is when the scene starts on a television and the news reporter is like, today, here's all the exposition you need to know for the movie and for the scene. Right. So instead of a television Right. Giving you that exposition, it was Donna, Donna Moss from the West Wing, who would give that exposition and ask questions that she clearly should have known the answers and to. And probably did. And probably <laughs> did, but she asked kind of on behalf of the, the viewing audience. Right. So this is that, not television, not the Donna, the Teledonna moment. Exactly. The Telejanus moment. Yeah, the Telejanus moment. That's good. Boom. Or Teledamian in some cases. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And before we go too much farther, um, we are at Hillbrook School. We're in the middle of the village. And third grade science is actually uh, working on some found objects. So if you hear some uh, some beating of metal in the background, that's some students working on some original compositions. Yeah, it kind of works though because throughout Mean Girls, you have sort of this African drumming mm. soundtrack in the background. So it sounds a little bit like that, right? Just now. a little, yeah. So if you hear that and you're like, "What are they doing?" That's <laughs> that's what it is. Right. So you do get a chance through the Telejanus to meet the plastics and they are the alpha girls of the school. And they, they are so <laughs> fetch. They are fetch and they are um, a trio, really this masterfully designed trio of Karen Smith, the dumbest girl on the planet who somehow has the ability to predict the weather <laughs> through her boobs. Yes. You've got Gretchen Wieners, who's got large hair because she apparently knows everyone's secrets, and Regina George, where evil takes a human form. Boom. <laughs> After that is lunch, right? Yeah, lunch again. This is the second lunch because yeah, this is actually day. day two. Yeah. And she gets a chance to get the full landscape of the cafeteria. We meet all the groups, Mm -hmm. social status, these people, these people, these people. Yeah. And that's where we get the quote, the most epic quote. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. That's right. Because she gets invited to to sit sit with with the plastics. And they kind of give her, to a certain extent, the introduction to girl world. Because remember, she's not, not only has she not been at school, but she really hasn't had peers. And so she really doesn't understand the way kind of peer and girls work in general. And so she really, she gets invited to sit with them and then she bas- they basically take her through all the rules about when you can wear sweatpants, when you can't, and all this stuff. If you haven't watched the movie for some time, but you're still listening to this, that's okay. We still love you. I would encourage you starting at this point to look for when you see plastic on the screen. Sometimes it's really overt, sometimes it's more subtle, but when we see those three girls and four girls soon, you're going to see plastic in the scene. Mm, And sometimes even in what they're wearing. Yes. For sure. We also learn, while Regina George is sort of revered, she's also sort of has this love 
people have a love-hate relationship with her. And I think Damien sums it up when he says, Fabulous, but she's evil. <laughs> and so to me, that's this really interesting piece of Regina George's status, is that she gains her status by being truly evil. <laughs> but so attractive that people are just drawn to her. Yeah. Yeah, we meet the mathlete shortly after. <laughs> we get the business card. And I tried calling that phone number, 847-555-2148. What happened? Well, let's call right now. Are you ready? <laughs> you ready? Your call cannot be completed at this time. Please try again later. Disappointing, right? Yeah, I mean, you would just think that with a number like that, you just set up a voicemail for the mathletes. Right, wouldn't I that would. be so great? When the Muppets reboot came out, they had a real number. Yeah. Yeah. And I called it as a 213 and there was a voicemail and I left my message. Well, that is actually a Chicago number though. It is. You know who did answer their phone? Who? 24. You remember the key for Sutherland oh. TV show? Yeah, yeah. He read a phone number that was written down on a piece of paper and one of the props guys did it as a goof for someone else that was in the crew. Mm -hmm. Just wrote the number down, not kind of realizing or maybe realizing, but figuring they would <laughs> catch it, um, that it would be prominent. And so people paused it, called it. And he answered eventually, like they just finally Fox bought the number, <laughs> the number. Yeah. Um, and they kept it on set. And so depending on when you would call it, sometimes people would answer. And, uh, and an old family friend saw that, paused it, was drinking quite heavily at the time. <laughs> of course. Answers. And, you know, they're like 24. And he's like, I need to speak to Agent Bauer immediately. <laughs> they're like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> and? Kiefer gets on the phone. <laughs> no way. In character. And he goes, this is Agent Bauer. <laughs> and the, the family friend's like, oh, uh, <laughs> I love your show. And he hung up on him. No way. Yeah. What a missed opportunity. Right? <laughs> I mean, for the, the millions they spend on marketing and advertising, how do they not put phone numbers that you can actually interact I know. with all that, the time? That, make, that would make total sense. Yeah. Well, of course, the biggest one was back in the, in the early 80s with 8675309. Sure. I mean, that was famous. People would call. And, and random people yeah. in different zip codes would actually have that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And exactly. just ruin their lives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to, have to change my number for sure. Yeah. So after this, and she meet, after she meets all the, the mathletes, and the plastics start to kind of adopt her. And one of the first things that they, that they do is, of course, what you would do in Girl World, which is to go to the mall. Yes. Back when the mall was there. <laughs> do you recall in 2004 how popular the mall was? Oh, the mall. The mall was super popular, but the mall is still popular here. Have you been to Valley Fair anytime soon? Yeah. That's the only one I can think of. Okay. Well, it's huge and it's very popular. Yeah. 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 It is definitely a place where mean girls could transpire. Yeah, absolutely. And there's that one of my favorite quotes. Regina's like the Barbie doll I never had. <laughs> the perfect way awesome. to think of Regina. <laughs> she is. And sh this is where uh, Katie experiences the watering hole and really sort of looks at the social dynamics of high school through the lens of kind of the African wild. And she starts to make that connection. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's sort of the same thing. Yeah. And this was a real mall in Toronto. Ah, you know how we know that? How? There is a cell phone company that is only in Canada. Ah. That's actually visible. Oh, oops. Oops. I thought you were going to tell me there was some Canadian flag in the background or something. There was not. Okay. So after they go to the mall and do a little shopping, they go to Regina's home. 
and they meet Regina's mom. The cool mom. Not like a regular, regular mom. mom. Cool, cool mom. mom. <laughs> right, Regina? She's so awesome. She's so fetch. <laughs> Amy Poehler plays um, Regina's mom. And actually, originally, she didn't think she would get cast because she was actually a little bit on the young side to have a teenage right. daughter. And don't forget Rachel McAdams, who actually is only born 10 days after me. Oh. We're almost oh birthday buddies. Oh my gosh, you're I know. the same age. I know. Amy Poehler and Rachel McAdams are only eight years apart. Oh, <laughs> that would be awkward. So there's that. <laughs> I think my favorite is um, Regina George's sister in the background. She's always in front of the TV and she's always doing some kind of funny dance to some really skanky music. <laughs> right, right. It's like she's a plastic in training. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. And, <laughs> and don't forget that the TV is raising her. Right. Yeah. Right. Perfect. So they go up to Regina's room and she's, Regina has sort of co-opted this room from her parents. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) She's so, she's got so much status that even her parents are kind of afraid of her. Um, They're getting to know each other. And of course, this moment they see the burn book. You get introduced to the burn book. You want to talk about the burn book? Well, that's all I had. I just wrote burn book. Oh, okay. Well, the burn book is this, is this place where they, over the years have sort of dumped all sorts of insults about every single girl in the class besides the three of them and now four of them. So there's sort of a photograph of every single girl with some mean insult. Yeah. What would this look like at social media? Would there be a physical burn book or would this be just trolling people? You know, this is actually part of my rewind. I'll kind of do a little, which is, it feels really interesting. And maybe it's just because it was on the cusp of real social media and that kind of technology, but there's very little technology in this movie for being set in 2004. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we had cell phones, we had the internet, but there was very little of that. And I guess it was right before sort of Facebook took off in terms of social media, but yeah, the burn book would be like part of Facebook or something. (laughs) Yeah. So let's go through it now. What is your rewind for that moment? What would you have done or what do you wish? Oh, it wasn't that moment. It was just this idea that technology sort of didn't exist. And I think I wondered. It wasn't so much as a thing I didn't like. It was just, it felt a little strange to have such uh, an absence of technology. And I'm not sure if, you know, Tina Fey just wasn't tuned into the way they use technology. But, you know, the technology that was used was still like three-way phone calls where you trick right, people. Right, yeah. um, very little computer stuff. And, and that just felt a little bit unreal to me yeah i get that i, re- I remember seeing the uh, imac with that bubble the, oh, yeah, the yeah. colored mm-hmm. translucent imac yeah with one that's back when it was a 31 technology program yeah so yeah. i mean it could be that i'm just now so kind of enculturated into the way tech and social media exists that it really wasn't such a thing then so yeah but well, so we got married in 2005 and that was like right when people were starting to like change their status updates on the altar mm. like we had just heard about that and we're like that's ridiculous there's for sure not a hashtag for any of the wedding events so it was like just just new so that that part didn't surprise me too much But I imagine if this would have been filmed like three years later, it would have been a very different film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then when she leaves Regina's, you know, one of the things that we we, we sort of failed to mention is that Katie is actually now at this point kind of an underground spy. Yes. I mean, she's not really friends with the plastics, but Janice, who has this revenge sort of plan for Regina George, they had been friends in middle school and you know something went wrong but you're not sure exactly what it was at this point in the movie 
But Janice and Damien are sort of like, go in and find out what the plastics do. So Katie's sort of like spying on the plastics more than she is really trying to befriend them at this point. She's Mulligan of (laughs) Mean Girls. (laughs) I love it, Hamilton. Little reference. Nice. Some plastics who might be some things like. (laughs) How did we know that this plan would work? We had a spy on the inside. That's right. Hercules Mulligan. Tell a spy on the British government. I take the measurements, information, and then I smuggle it. Nice. So Katie tells Janice and Damien about the burn book. And at this point, they're actually like in the mall. And this is one of my favorite scenes. Yes, yes. (laughs) Because they see Tina Fey, Miss Norbury, at the mall. And she is on her break from her bartending job at PJ Calamities. PJ Calamities. Love that. Yes. And I think it's Janice who says, Oh my God, that's Miss Norbury. I love seeing teachers outside of school. It's like, Seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. (laughs) I can hardly even say that line without cracking up myself. Yeah. For as comical as it is, it's true that so many teachers have more than one job. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think she says she has three jobs. She does because she's going through a divorce. Right. So she picked up a third job. Right. Right. So, but it is also true that when students see their teachers outside of school. Oh my gosh. It is like they do not know what to do. They get totally flummoxed. It's like out of context. You actually can leave the school premises. I know. I know. They that's let my, you out. That's my favorite parts of teaching second grade is that they thought I lived there. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if some of your middle schoolers here think <laughs> that people live on yeah. in these houses. In these, yep, yep. In these little villages. Yeah. Mr. Silver's just in that one <laughs> with the circle windows. <laughs> Um, so anyhow, that was, that's one of my favorites. And of course she's wearing one of those terrible outfits with the buttons and the pins that you'd see at Bennigan's. Yeah, for sure. Remind me totally of office space, the Jennifer Aniston's outfit. Yep. Um, 15 pieces of flair. Totally. So girl world totally continues. And Regina at this point sort of knows that. Um, Katie has a crush on Aaron Samuels and Aaron Samuels is her ex-boyfriend, very good looking guy. And, and, uh, Katie has him in math class and has developed this huge crush on him. Then there's a Halloween party and well, so before we get to the Halloween party oh, yeah. in class, yeah, right. Cause Katie's right behind him Yeah. in the background. Did you catch where Tina Fey was working overhead projector? Oh. See what I mean? Technology. I for sure had one of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess it really is before the smart board. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I had my class (laughs) for sure 2005 through at least 2011. Mm, Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So, right. She's trying to, later she tries to remember things and and she's, the overhead projector is in her, in her way. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah overhead projector nice yeah. so um so regina so they go to this halloween party <laughs> yes <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about the halloween party Just, I mean, the only thing i can really remember is that it's the time where girls can dress however slutty they want <laughs> yeah. as long as they put animal ears yeah it's awesome so it really is every single girl in there is wearing some small tiny costume with some type of animal ears but Katie doesn't get that memo and she shows up in this totally <laughs> yeah. hideous 
actually scaring people because yeah. they've never seen anything so hideous costume. Yeah. yeah. At this point, we actually paused the movie. My wife and I watched the movie together and uh, we noticed how different the movie is being an adult. So my wife had seen it before, but oh, she yeah, was yeah. she was closer to high school age when she saw it. So she mm. was relating to the high school kids. Mm-hmm. And now you know, our kids are four, six and eight. We very much related to the parents. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. So I immediately <laughs> went to the parents and we saw the movie and we're just like, no, we want our kid to actually be the one that didn't get the memo to wear like the full know, on, the full on dress, the scary teeth. <laughs> Tina Fey actually talked about the difference between seeing this movie when you're actually a teenager and later on. And she feels that, you know, when you're a teenager, it's you're almost too close. It's like almost too real. People don't find it as funny as they do when they're older and looking in retrospect, yeah. which actually says a lot about. I think how real some of these social dynamics really are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is also, by the way, tangentially why I've never watched Silicon Valley, the TV show. Yeah. I hear it's just kind too, of too, too close much. to home. Too much. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Regina in her sort of her, her ploy of talking to Aaron Samuels about Katie actually puts all these bad ideas about Katie and Aaron Samuels mind sort of, portraying her as this stalker and instead makes a move on him and kind of wins him back. She does. She's a mean girl. <laughs> she is. I did not care for that. <laughs> but what's significant about that moment is that that becomes the, the sort of the start of the, the sabotage. Oh yeah. Of so let's, let's so go that, to that. Now we're going to take, take her down. Yeah, like the that plan. Yeah. The plan. Right. So Janice, Damien and Katie, they forge a plan to basically ruin Regina George, by cutting off all of her resources. And what are those three resources, Carla? Well, it's Aaron Samuels. Number one, one. ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Two, her hot body. Yes. And number three? Her army of skinks. Yes. The other plastics. That reminds me so much. Do you know the book (laughs) called Don't Read This Book? No. Such a great book. It's all about how the monkeys are going to get you. It's very similar to The Grover there's a monster thing oh, yeah, in this yeah. book. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you know, don't turn the page, don't turn the page. And at some point you hatch the plan to capture the monkeys because of course you read the book. So like the plan, two cans of monkeys love bananas. And so it, it goes through like you get the banana and you do this and they capture that, they yeah. capture them. It felt very much like we just needed a banana to capture yeah. the monkeys of the book. Right. And actually that is what they, they do. I mean, they forge this plan. It takes them a little bit of time to get it right. Right. A month in, no success. No, they're just making her face smell like peppermint and yeah. no, it's not working. They start to go right for the sabotage and they, you know, Regina seems to be totally untouchable. I think it's at this point too that Katie learns of the full backstory of the relationship between Janice and Regina George, in which basically Regina feels for a moment that Janice has a crush on her and has now declared her to be a lesbian. So then for my birthday party, which was an all-girls pool party, I was like, Janice, I can't invite you because I think you're a lesbian. I mean, I couldn't have a lesbian at my party. Oh, that's what went wrong. I miss that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is the moment. So you move into this great sort of scene as they're really trying to take Regina down, but before they really make any um, headway, there's a great scene that we have to just point out, which is the holiday talent show. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the talent show, if I had to, without any notes in front of me, which is often how I watch movies, Yeah. talent show is like one of two scenes that really jumps out. Why? 
it just it's such um like a tight scene yeah it's like beginning middle end of that scene yeah it's in a separate spot and there's just so many moments that are actually so funny (laughs) i I think uh you know tim meadows introducing acts is yes (laughs) hilarious welcome to the north shore high school winter talent show let me hear you make some noise uh the acts themselves um the terrible audience making fun of the acts yeah. I mean, this is where you really get to see Kevin Napoor in his <laughs> <laughs> rap act, which gets yanked by the principal because it's so dirty and inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And then the girls doing their scene. Yeah. Well, my favorite part of the talent show, and I think my favorite part of the movie is when, <laughs> when they throw the stereo. <laughs> yeah. Getting yep. like hit in the face with the stereo. <laughs> Gretchen's love interest and gets kicked in the face. Right. Um, but at this point, I think what's crucial about this Jingle Bell Rock scene is, you know, they're all dressed up. They're wearing their plastic. They're wearing plastic. Mm-hmm, their Jingle Bell Rock uh, plastic dresses. Things go wrong. And what happens? Katie saves the day. Totally. Singing a cappella in a beautiful voice. Right. And you see the status begin to change. Sure. Okay. So in that moment, Katie's status goes up until yeah. then, like people still think she's a homeschool freak. They don't understand how she's hanging with the plastics. They can't say her name. Right. But at that moment you see a change, right? So that's, that's a huge moment. How realistic do you think that is that in a moment your status in high school can change? I think it's actually not inaccurate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are these these things, these defining moments for better or for worse yeah. in high school. Yeah. So I agree with you, actually. <laughs> I do. Um, my senior year of high school, we had the senior assembly and they could do little acts. Yeah. You could sing or dance or whatever. Um, and I put together a punk rock band. Yeah. It was like my first real band. Like yeah. I had like not, not good bands before that. Uh, put together like a real band and you had to audition. And so we were there like in the main quad and we played, um, I think you just got one song. We played Stand By Me, mm. but the Pennywise version. So it was like super chill and halfway through just busting like straight away punk yeah. rock. And there wasn't really enough administration there. They didn't realize quite what we were doing, but we brought like the whole setup. Our high school is actually directly across the street from our church. And I, I had helped for years setting up the sound system. So we brought the entire sound system, <laughs> like speakers that weigh like 60 pounds and like way beyond what a high school band would be able to afford or bring. And we, we wheeled them across the street, set up in the quad, played the song. And there's this huge mosh pit that erupted at the high school during lunch. Oh my goodness. And I was there playing guitar, which was really like the first time like I'd really played in a band in front of anyone more than yeah. like five people. And at that moment, so I shifted from being kind of the, well, still, and I still am the, the dorky person. Um, but it was just like, oh, like. He's the cool dorky person. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's the dude like in the punk rock band and we started a mosh pit. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up See? actually, they tried to actually do it during the senior assembly and everyone knew it was coming. And so just hundreds of kids poured out of the stands yeah. and started a mosh pit and like 
backpacks were flying. Yeah. And our vice, what year was that? Uh, this was ninety six. Oh yeah, this is like mosh pit. This is like the yeah, yeah. height of mosh pits too. Yeah, absolutely. And this was also L A. <laughs> yeah. Right, just east, you know, east of Los Angeles. And the vice principal like runs over and starts unplugging all the cables, which is a super not okay thing to do. No, sounds um, like something that would have happened in Mean Girls. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it actually, it was not too unlike when you get that madness in the hallways and Tim Meadows eventually pulls that fire alarm and the sprinklers yeah. hit everybody. Yep. Um, it was it was our version of that. It was real. Um, and in my memory, it was actually like a pivotal moment for everyone in that band to be like, oh, those are the guys in the punk rock band. Yeah. Which was suddenly, pretty cool. Suddenly you had a new definition yeah. at the school yeah. your status went up right right like in the last minute that's perfect <laughs> of high school perfect timing yeah <laughs> but you know that principal or whoever those administrators pulling the plugs i mean it really is once again like how do you control it sure <laughs> you yeah. control the madness yeah it's happening it's yeah. my only it's and my they only had way. actually threatened people i had forgotten this until right now they they had heard what happened and you know the song was like three minutes long right so it's like two minutes of like really kind of chill music and then one minute of mosh pit. And they're like, don't do they it. They went to every person. They said it was, you know, like two weeks before graduation. Like if you start a mosh pit, you are not walking. So everyone was like, dude, we're out. Like we're not going to do a mosh pit. And then just everyone just spilled out. They couldn't help themselves. Oh my gosh. It was like they got caught up in the moment. They did. It's awesome. And they had not I wish seen I had Mean been Girls. There. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, invited. I hadn't been out yet. I sent you an Evite <laughs> in the 1900s. <laughs> posted it on Twitter that we were going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, at this moment, though, Katie's status goes up, things change, and Gretchen totally cracks. And this is where she learns a big thing, which is that Regina George has been cheating on Aaron Samuels <laughs> with... The guys, what's the guy's name? Some guy. <laughs> I had no idea. Shane? Shane Owen or something oh, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, Shane. Yeah, Shane yeah. Owen in the projector room. And so they've been having sort of sex up in the projector room. So they try to get Aaron Samuels to to see this happen. And they stage all these different ways to get him there. And <laughs> all they right. do is catch the teacher <laughs> oh hooking up with one of the, what, it, what do they call them? The cool Asians or what? Yeah, group? yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So that's bad. So she basically gets Aaron to, to, to learn that Regina George is cheating on, on them. And now she's really taking Regina down and Katie kind of takes on the role as sort of queen of the plastics. She does. And for me at this point, it really fast forwards. Yeah. It's spring fling. Yeah. Yeah. We have the spring fling nominees. Yep. Janice, Regina, Katie. And then one of the other plastics. Oh Yeah. Uh, Gretchen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so you've got this, the spring fling going. And, and at this point, basically, she's fully plastic. And Damien, Janice, and Aaron actually kind of reject her. They're like, we don't want to have anything to do with you because you're just being plastic. So it's sort of like an interesting thing. Like while her status is rising in many areas, other people are sort of rejecting her. She's become the very thing yeah. she yeah, hated. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this idea that along with this high, high status comes the low of being a truly hated person. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And right along with that, they just kind of sneak in the attack on point number two of the plan. Right. 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 She's feeding her all these cow teen bars. All the protein bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that line, what does she say? Something like, 
everyone in Africa speaks Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> All the instructions are in Swedish. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's what you get for not knowing that fact. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Eventually, you know, Regina kind of learns of this plot against her. She, she her, her boyfriend tells her, uh, you know, oh, those things are for gaining weight. And she just loses her mind and she realizes what's been going on. And she goes back to her room and she grabs the burn book. Oh, yeah. She creates an entry for herself. What? Yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah. I thought it was going to be about Katie. Nope. It's about Regina George. So it makes it look like someone else besides her wrote this burn book and she turns it in to um, the principal. <laughs> At this moment, not only does the principal see it, but she makes copies of all the pages. She distributes it all over the school so that everyone can see every horrible thing that has been written about them in this burn book. And there are only three girls in the school, Gretchen, Karen, and Katie, who are not included in it. <laughs> right, if that isn't a setup. Right. Even Miss Norbury yeah. is in the burn book, remember. She's a pusher. She has a pusher of drugs. <laughs> My favorite line and who I would have been in this movie when you have all of those papers in the hallway yeah. going around and the one kid has, it's one of the only times you have a cell phone. The kid goes, <laughs> mom, can you pick me up? I'm scared. Because yeah. <laughs> things have gone totally crazy. Right, right. right. <laughs> so, I mean, it is anarchy. Uh, Principal Duval, Tim Meadows is in there in his office and the secretary comes running in and she's like, oh my God. It's crazy out there. So he's got to go and, and, and rescue everyone. And he basically gets all the junior girls into the gym. Yeah, this is our come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> and is it ever? Is it ever? <laughs> yeah. Now what the young ladies in this grade need is an attitude makeover. And you're going to get it right now. I don't care how long it takes. I will keep you here all night. We can't keep them past four. I will keep you here until four. That to me was the best. Yeah. I think that was my favorite line. And actually that whole, this whole scene is yeah. just fabulous. And they start to talk about their lady problems. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is another one that was much, much cruder and they cut a oh, lot yeah. to get to a PG 13. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. They were, yeah. they were sort of on the line and they had to, had to scale it back a little bit. Yeah. And Tina Fey plays sort of the best most horrible facilitator <laughs> of all time. And she has the right. kid, girls doing these trust falls <laughs> and writing lines to each other. And it is just horrible, but hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> As Regina George runs out of the room, Katie goes after her and she gets hit by a bus. Right. So Regina gets hit by a bus. Yeah. I, was like, I was shocked. I didn't think that would actually, I thought it would come close, but it actually hit. And it was just like, what? <laughs> and it goes back to that first day of school, right? Um, yeah. But she says, and that's how Regina George died. No, I'm totally kidding. But she did get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's at this moment that Katie has to like basically make up for her descent into plastic hell right, and right. have to kind of dig herself out because she basically has to confess to the fact that she wrote the horrible thing about Miss Norbury being a drug pusher. She has to confess that, you know, she was part of this whole thing and was no better than anyone else. And she gets grounded by her parents. I don't know. Maybe we mainstream schooled you too soon. I love that the parents don't know what being grounded means for a parent. <laughs> it's like, that, oh, she can't leave? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad. I, yeah. That one's on me. Oh, no. 
And eventually she has to do, um, she make amends, she makes amends with Regina, Miss Norbury, and then she joins the mathletes team and of yeah. course wins the competition. She does with the line. Do you remember the line? If the limit never approaches anything, the limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. Which feels more poetic than it really needed yes. to be, but but I bought it. Yeah. She wins Spring Fling Queen on the same day she wins the Mathletes competition. I mean, this is... Two for two. Two for two. Wearing a thousand. Her, wearing her Mathletes varsity jacket, yeah. hanging with Kevin. It's pretty awesome. And then in the final scenes, we see the plastics break up. Kevin and Janice become a romantic couple. That may be my favorite For like <laughs> one second, twist. and then it's like, nope. <laughs> she connect she re she you know has this romantic moment with Aaron Samuels and all is good right and in fact the plastics all kind of distribute themselves to new new groups and Regina George becomes a lacrosse star Karen used her special talents to do the morning weather announcements hi this is Karen Smith it's 68 degrees and there's a 30 percent chance that it's already raining Gretchen kind of starts to hang with the cool Asians. Yeah, and all ends about as well as as it, you could. It is. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty dreamy ending. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, what's your rewind? The rewind for those of you who are listening to this maybe for the first time is when we kind of talk about things that we might have done differently, challenges with the film, parts that we didn't particularly care for. Yeah, you know. So the original movie was titled Homeschooled. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen more of the parent-Katie relationship. Mm-hmm. I really loved both her parents in that. You know, mm-hmm. Like we, we just talked about how, you know, that's not how you do grounded. She's not allowed to leave. <laughs> um, that it would have been, you know, not that it was really missed opportunities. Because um, I think it, it told the story that it was trying to tell. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just, I love the parents in that and think that that could have been a lot more fun. And certainly now closer to being a parent of a high schooler than being a high schooler myself um, can relate more to the dad and the dad jokes. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I already mentioned one of my rewinds was just like rethinking whether or not technology was really in the right place for 2004. And maybe it was. Um, I think it was that scene actually at the end where they're distributing all the pieces from the burn book. And I couldn't help but portray that or think about that kind of next to what Facebook has become. Um, It was sort of like the analog it was like the analog Facebook, right? It was, yeah. So. And it was literally a fa- a book of faces yeah, that they was. were, you know, talking crap about. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you can't distribute that as easily. No. Although, apparently, you actually can. You can, just distrib- many, many photocopies. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I think the other thing, this is really, really small, but I just loved the character of Kevin so much. And I just would have loved to see a little bit more of yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, he was good. He was so funny. He's not been in a lot either. No, he wrote a book about his, um, about auditioning for movies in Hollywood and not getting the part. Interesting. I forgot the name of the book. I'll put it in the episode notes for yeah, sure. Great. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that maybe this is the apex for me. Mean Girls, like the greatest. Best movie? I don't know about school. Not yeah. my favorite movie ever. But your favorite movie about schools? Oh my gosh. Really? I, mean, I laughed so hard. I watched this movie three or four times to get ready for this. And every time it was just funnier to me. Uh, I just love it so much. I think huh. it really, I think it. 
I think it really captures school. I think it's a pretty accurate portrayal in many ways, in dark ways. Sure, yeah. I mean, really, to a certain extent, even the segregation of ethnicities in the lunchroom. I mean, there are whole books written about that. Beverly Tatum wrote a book, of course, Why Do All the Black Kids Sit Together in the Cafeteria? That was That's an old book. Um, I think we don't see that much change in some of that in some of our schools. And I also think that we still to this day, there's just incredible stereotypes and a lot of status work that we, you know, we try to work on with kids, but it's just, it, it is the way things play out in school. Yeah, sure. One thing we didn't do is the first line of the movie. Oh, I was going to save that for you. I did pay attention this time. Yeah. Love that music. This is your lunch. Okay. Now I put a dollar in there so you can buy some milk. You can ask one of the big kids where to do that. But you know what's interesting about that, now that we're listening to it in retrospect, is that she still goes. Doesn't she go to the cafeteria and still buy her lunch that first day? Oh, she does. Yeah. What? I know. You'd think she'd be eating out of her paper bag that her father gave her. Yeah, and a dollar for milk. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. She didn't eat her lunch. Her dad packed her her, her first lunch, and hmm. she didn't eat it. But once again, I, I think that's kind of interesting, too. He, You know, lunch becomes sort of this whole social crazy place and that's sort of the opening line so to me that's probably pretty telling yeah. like tina fey it's almost a foreshadowing of what lunch lunch is going to be hard yeah yeah the lunchroom is always hard in high school okay well, so thanks again for listening we have really been enjoying doing these and having a great response from our listeners and so if there's another one you want us to if there's a movie that's out there that you really want us to and talk about get us on twitter yeah we are at downheads yeah so send us a message yeah that'd be great we don't have a b-side this coming time so you'll have to we wait don't. a month we don't no interviews but that's okay and we're really excited about our next episode yes we are i tried to get latin canceled for five years it's gonna be good i'm excited about so this awesome. one awesome it's nice. always good yeah. <laughs> thanks phil yeah thanks carla hey heads down two thumbs up <laughs>